I don't have any fat. It's good. I have hard and soft muscles. Hard and soft. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to this episode of Clinically Pressed. We are here with Andy Asco, the world champion. Nope. What do you mean, nope? Two-time. Two-time, <laughs> I was going to say. Newly, this year, <laughs> world champion. Uh, this is our follow-up episode to when we first talked with him in Cooper Wage leading up to it. Uh, so we're just wanting to cover how worlds went, what you thought, things you might tweak. Uh, we're going to talk NSCA with AJ and Andy, both being there, and then potentially some uh, the drug testing news in the world today, because it's running rampant. <coughs> so, our worlds. Uh, <laughs> how's it feel to defend your world title? Uh, I mean, it was pretty good. Um, definitely didn't go as planned, but uh, turned out well in the end. So. What didn't go as planned? Well, when we went down there, uh, we were hoping for like an 8.30 squat, but a sub-junior broke my world record, was it the day before I lifted, so we had to just chip it, which is adding half a kilo to it. Yeah. So I only squatted 366 kilos, uh, 8.07, and then bench, we were hoping to break the world record, ended up missing the world record, which kind of sucked, but... Just not there yet. It wasn't like a technical issue or anything. It's, I just wasn't strong enough. Um, and then for deadlift, <laughs> I noticed the uh, change in grips after oh, the first weird. rep. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd been starting to pull hook grip before I left, and everything felt great. Even in the warm up room, it felt good. But there were Texas power bars in the warm up room, and when I went out on the Alico. I just my hand opened up and I couldn't hold on to it. And actually, nine for nine, the company that I was shooting um, got a picture of me like right at lockout with this the bar in my fingertips and this one holding strong. Oh really? Wow. So I had to pull switch grip and so for a seven for nine day, uh, I guess it was as good as it could have gone. But uh, that deadlift kind of cost me um, a best lifter award. Gotcha. Possibly. Mm. I know the uh, announcers were going on how you had another 20 kilograms on that yeah. squat. Yeah, it's got to piss you off just listening to that. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, why didn't you go heavier? It's like, <sighs> right. That's where the strategy just comes into so much play, right? Yeah. So next time, though, you'll just crush it, right? No, I'm going to quit powerlifting and <laughs> pursue interpretive dance. I can see that in you. Well, and then the episode's over. We've got a lot to talk about, so that's great. Interesting. You're supposed to say that till the end. Yeah. Breaking news. Oh, do you think we could just start a Twitter storm with that? Nobody likes me. Andy Asco quits powerlifting to pursue interpretive dance. So next on the horizons for you then? Uh, national 
weeks in, I think it's 15 weeks? Yeah. October 16th. Is that under... Because I remember back to our episode with Cooper, he said, well, we're currently 48 weeks out from uh, He's 48, or, yeah, he's like a year out from equipped nationals. Okay, that's what I was wondering, because when AJ mentioned that nationals are coming up, I was like, wait a minute, like, I thought... Cooper yeah, they're two men. I didn't know if it... Yeah, okay. 14, 15 weeks out, man. And I can't... I really just want to train, but I can't yet. I have, like, those two events coming up. I have that guy flying in from Rhode Island oh, yep. to do that video on me and John Hack. And then next weekend, this weekend, this weekend, because it's Monday, this weekend I have uh, a gym opening. Well, both are at gym openings, but I have to lift heavy for those, so I can't really just drop back and do volume. Gotcha. So will this affect your training for nationals? No, I mean, I just push it back a little bit. What have you been doing the last three, four weeks? Uh, the week afterwards, I think I lifted like twice, just doing some high volume bench and squat and deadlift, so I lifted three times. Um, the next week, I lifted once, I think, and then the next week it was at SCA, and I lifted with Silent Mike and Marcus and Matt Vincent and Lori Holland down there. And at the Alico booth, right? Yeah, and Got a squat in that day. Yeah, that was... I, I actually pulled the footage off my camera last night about from that, and it was not a pretty looking. Didn't you see the bar? Just yeah, it was. It was not good. <laughs> and then last week, I squatted twice. Yeah, I saw the seven hundred pound <laughs> pause squat. squat. God, that I, I don't know how you can do that. You're a freak. <laughs> just camping out <laughs> down there. Are you kidding me? It didn't feel like it was that long, like, but I just kept waiting for it not to move. Huh? No, sure not. You get nervous. Put it right back up. You just know. I know I'm at least coming out of the hole. <laughs> if I fold over, I fold over. But. Yeah. Mm hmm. Hmm. So training up to nationals, gonna stick with the uh, quote-unquote Ascal frequency project. <laughs> I might not, like, this far out, but I think the last four-ish weeks, I'll probably do a very similar peak like I did, because, damn, if I didn't feel good. <laughs> there you go. That was by far the best squats I've ever felt in the meet, like, unreal. But just, it's like the drive to work. If you do it every day, you can do it with your eyes closed, and you're just, and, like, it was ridiculous. Hmm. How was the experience down there just in general? All the people. Lit. Just down in the world. It was, I mean, there weren't like crazy amounts of people, but there were a lot of really, like Bill Kazmaier was there. And, yep. um, he did some announcing. And then there were a bunch of people from the U.S. since it was here uh, who didn't qualify, uh, but are very good lifters who were there and um, got to run into a bunch of my old friends and stuff like that. Nice. They premiered that uh, SBD belt down there. Okay. Have you guys heard of that yet? SBD. Uh, 
SPD is a company that makes like those red and black knee sleeves that like everyone wears. Um, they came out with a belt. Have you guys ever seen the lever belts? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they came out with a lever belt that you don't need like a screwdriver to adjust. And they it's pretty that slick. I don't know if I can talk about that or not. But <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. If it's in the episode, you can. <laughs> I feel like if you premiere it, somebody's got it up on social media already. That's true. Already public knowledge. <coughs> so then how are NSCAs for the both of you? Yeah, it was your first national conference. What did you think? Um, I was not prepared. <laughs> uh, prepared for what? Everything. But mostly... <laughs> The academic stuff was pretty cool. Um, Eric Helms gave a really good talk, I thought. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. Um, Andy Fry's talk was pretty interesting, too. Mm-hmm. From Kansas? Yep. Yeah. yeah, so he did a lot of overtraining research in his early days mm-hmm. and kind of summarized some of his previous work and more, more current updates on the, the issue. Kind of ties in nicely with all the monitoring. I mean, there was monitoring stuff everywhere at that conference. I can only imagine. It is definitely the hottest thing in sports science right now. Different ways to do it, different results from it, different feedback. What are your opinions on the best ways based on what you said? Or what are the best things to monitor? Kind of depends on what type of athlete and sport you're dealing with. I would think from a physiology standpoint, the heart rate variability stuff is probably the best way to assess how your athletes are recovering, mm-hmm. um, especially from like a neuromuscular standpoint. And then, do they have anything on? Is it just in the morning? Yep, doing it first thing in the morning. That's really the only way to do it. Okay, I to didn't get know the, if there was something else out there. That's the only way I had known of. Yeah, but. to get the best information. Um, and then there's a lot of others with all the, the catapult and stuff yep. or straps that we kind of use here of assessing like in practice training load, physiological load placed on the athletes. But I feel like we're just trying to start to figure out how to use that information, what to do with it. Like that guy that had a poster right across from you that was from the Seahawks. Yeah, they had pretty interesting. He kind of summarized some of the stuff that they were doing, but he, you know, just talking with them informally. He would, he, his bathroom, or his bathroom, his background <laughs> is in God, what was it like diagnostic mathematics or something? But he's yeah. also interested in strength conditioning. So the Seahawks hired this guy, whoa, because of his stats and mathematics background to decipher all that information. Right, I think that's the biggest problem. Is yeah, we can get the info, but who knows? It's like the guy from Moneyball, yeah, how to do anything with it? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Sure. Joe, when we talk about the sports science club we want to do is we got to go over and reach out to the stats department to just find one kid that's got some interest in sports and just say, here's numbers, do cool things with it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <useful. laughs> yeah. Just because it saved everybody so much time trying to figure out how to do it otherwise. And then, like, for Iowa talking, you know, you can assess all these biomarkers of it, but none of it means anything if performance isn't going up or down. Like yeah. That should be your ultimate thing that you're looking at. Are they still performing or aren't they? Because that'll tell you whether or not you need to change things or just yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Almost just a waste of time. Yeah, he's like, that's, that's what we should be 
caring about the most. So, excuse you, sir. Too many things going on today. Too many things. I'm more important though. Yeah. What other talks did you go to that? Uh, I don't think there are any ones that stick out in my mind. You missed the velocity one that was pretty good. Yeah. And then we decided to do velocity based study. So yeah, that's, not kidding. That's great. I caught it at least. Video might be available on Yeah, I online. looked uh, I looked for I think Helms talk because somebody was asking about it. And I knew they had he had one of the big rooms, so yeah. figured it'd be pretty good coverage and I couldn't find it yet. I can't remember that guy's name from Australia, I really should. Yeah, so one down next year. Probably have some data to present that, all right? Yeah, hopefully. Got a couple things in the works. That one's in Vegas. Hopefully be alive to present it. Yeah, that's step one. <laughs> I just know who I have to avoid now. New Orleans got the best day in you one Danger City. Yeah. Yeah, like Especially with Texans. Yeah. <laughs> Texans. Assholes. <laughs> it was not good. <clears throat> Took me a good couple days. <laughs> yeah, you didn't train that next day? Oh, no. <laughs> I slept for like 16 hours that day. <laughs> I think I saw you a little bit in there. <laughs> I hardly gave you some water. <laughs> that made me really nauseous. I think just because of how fast I chugged it. So it's fine. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Aww. Sweetie pie. I told you we didn't have breakfast. So the other thing we're going to talk about was some of the drug testing stuff. I've gotten interviewed recently with some of the buzz in the Olympics media coverage about what they're testing for, how frequently. So how about from your standpoint, how often do you get tested? Do you know specifically what they look for? Yes. Do they, do they follow you around like they do with like track Olympic athletes? What do you mean? Like whereabouts forms? That, yeah, or like can show up wherever. I've worked with a couple, like, we were out at just a practice, and these two people showed up to test a pole vaulter that I worked with, and he happened to just be down there at practice, but they literally went all around, and I didn't know how far that spanned over all the sports and whatnot. Yeah, I think that's a pretty common thing in a lot of compliance sports. Okay. Um, What we have to do, um, we have to fill out two, because... Um, we kind of have like the IPF can come test us at any time, right. and then the USAPL can come test us. Okay. So we have to fill out a USAPL whereabouts form and an IPF whereabouts form. Um, so do they contract through WADA or USADA? Um, I think. I think IPF is WADA. IPF is WADA. Um, I don't know if USAPL follows. USAPL more. has like they just passed a rule that. Um, it used to be the drug, uh, like the judges who did the drug testing, but now they have to contract it out. And I forget the name of it, but the guy who was like the drug testing officer for the USAPL just started his own company. Okay. And now he does drug testing for USAPL um, as a contract. Yeah. I'm sure there's all kinds of hoops to jump through to get yeah. that verification. Uh, like the UFC just went in and are now like supposedly the most stringent drug testing among major sports and I think they're with USADA because it was the guy they actually like hired the guy that 
was going after Lance Armstrong to be like their person that directs all that stuff and lost John Jones before the fight yeah. and now are gonna have issues with Brock Lesnar. Well, it sounded like post fight. Have you read the details on that? I haven't looked at it. It's super like close, since he like. agreed to do the fight on such short notice, it looked like they gave him like a probationary period where you you're not subject to drug testing because it's like they almost give you a little bit of a buffer. Yeah, just in case you are, we won't test you in just four months. So it's like somehow tested positive, but they're still they still let him fight, and they're well, they didn't know I guess in time, but I think they're still going to let him keep his title from what I can see because it was still within that four year like or four month. I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, you got a lot of money from winning though. Oh, yeah. And the other guy's pissed about it. <laughs> he wants the two and a half mil. I bet he does. What a freak. So what do they test for? For the you guys? Um, do they tell you? Well, you can see they check it off. Um, so there are two panels. Like there's a stimulant panel yeah. and a steroid panel. At like the national level, um, they only test for the steroid panel. So like um, ephedrine, dimethylamine, stuff like that is banned but they don't test for it at the national level. But if you get the full WADA panel, uh, they test for everything. They had pretty tough sanctions in USAPL um, for violations? I think they kind of do a common sense type thing, um, which is, I didn't know about, but like the past two major suspensions I've seen. One, Jesse Norris um, took Craze, which had, I forget what the stimulant is, and he got a six-month ban, which should have been, like, I think it should have been a year or two. But they're like, you probably weren't trying to cheat. Uh, it's just a stimulant. It's your first offense. Yeah. We'll give you six months. And then this girl named Natalie Hansen uh, at Equip Nationals failed a drug test. Um, she hurt her back on her last deadlift and then took a hydrocodone. And then they came and told her she needed to be tested. Mm. So... I think she declared that she took it, and they didn't ban her, but they stripped her of her nationals results, and I think that was the end of it. That's a banned substance, huh? Yeah, I guess. Well, there's a lot of, and I don't, we didn't get into too much, like, just my time working Division One. like, if, like, one of our guys who was going to throw internationally, there's no way, anyhow, even with doctors' documentation, we could put on like help you all because it's a banned yeah. substance on their thing. But for like the NCAA, even here, like you can be on Adderall, but we have to have a full thing from your doctor saying like you were tested for it, you were diagnosed with it, and say that. A therapeutic usage exemption. Yeah, basically that. And then so if you get tested, you present that. I got both of them. Okay. Um, you present Here. that to the NCAA, or I don't even know if you do it before, if you wait till it comes back that it was a positive result, and then you submit yeah. that in, and I then think it's you not a big deal. with the governing body, too. Because <clears throat> the NCAA does it a little bit differently. Like, they don't test, from what I've been told, for recreational use. All they do is performance enhancing. And I think schools can input their own policy. Schools do that, and so, like, when I kind of coordinated that, like, we would do, like, a sports panel, which covered a lot of stimulants, some of the potential, like, hydrocodones or things that you could abuse, 
but then you could always add on like a spice one, which is testing for all the different synthetic cannabinoids, and right. you could also add an anabolic profile just to make sure. But that wasn't something that we tested for. I'm sure, it's just too expensive all the time, all every time. Yeah, we probably spent over thirty thousand dollars on drug testing alone. Wow, but I mean, we'd do it every two weeks. Plus, then the Big Twelve could come in whenever they wanted, and same with the NCAA. You get an email two days before they're going to come in in the afternoon saying, we need all these people. Figure out how to get them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh. That was always fun. It's a weird world. It is. For us, um, we have to give them, like, our work, school, um, training schedule, our home address, work address, school address, gym address. Um, if we're going to be traveling, we have to tell them where and when. And then we have to give them an hour window every night that they can show up to a place if they want to and drug test you. But they can also just call you and give you 24 hours to report to drug testing. And our state chair is in Milwaukee. So oh. Tanya could call me and be like, hey, be here by 8 tomorrow. Yeah, what are you doing? Price you pay. And that's all at your expense. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. I had a, I was talking to a kid from New York at Worlds, and he's like, he's like 16 or 17, he's still in high school, and his state chair called him and was like, you gotta get to upstate New York, man. Like, so he had to like, or it was maybe Brooklyn, I think he had to go to Brooklyn, and it's like, yeah, you just have to show up. It's like, you just made a 16 or 17 year old kid drive through that stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Do you need Thank some more you. coffee and water? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, right. So I think there's any corruption within that. We've seen a lot of that play out in the Olympic side of things with countries. Oh, with countries, <laughs> yeah. You know, being involved in the doping scandals themselves. How about within a couple of these organizations? I'm not sure. Just speculation, but yeah, I have a hard time seeing it, but I think. Like, your analysis, like, is just not the best way anyway. True. Because literally you can gas up into the meat with, like, different uh, compounds and still pass a drug test just because they don't, A, throw metabolites, or B, can't be tested for. Like, uh, so one is testosterone suspension. There are multiple, like, compounds of testosterone. Mm -hmm. You can take test suspension and there's no metabolites thrown into the urine. So you can literally take it in front of the drug testing officer, tell them what it is, because um, there's no like executive positives in USAPL. You can take insulin and IGF. Yeah. So. And you can't test for that. Yeah. So you think there'll be tests for that ever? It, they, there are, they're just blood tests. So I think that's really where we need to move as like an organization, I think drug testing blood would be a lot better and quicker. I, I was notified of, um, yes please. I was notified, uh, I got my notification of drug testing at the Arnold five hours before I was actually drug tested. And once you're notified, you can't leave. Oh. Like you have to sit there and wait. But then you can't be too hydrated, so you can't slam a bunch of water. Yeah. Um, not, like the NCAA, when they gravity. do it, they test specific gravity right then and there. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
and if it's not, they'll sit and make you wait. Yep. Or if it's two, they'll make you hydrate. So yeah, we'd start at six thirty in the morning, and sometimes we'd be there till frickin' noon. Yeah, it's annoying, but um, the reality of it is like if there was blood testing, got a phlebotomist in there. Yeah, be like probably for all the people we got drug tested, it'd be half an hour, forty five minutes. I know hair follicles or something that they talked about going to, but I think that's more for the recreational side of it. I don't yeah, know if it's as right. much performance enhancing. And I mean, never really talked about performance enhancing <clears throat> too much. We were always just trying to quit the pot bust smokers. The, bust the smokers and the partiers. <laughs> Which is weird. It's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> why would you care more about people smoking weed than something that's going to make so, them bigger, so stronger, faster? Yeah. Let them have that. You have a policy, <laughs> but then it's all up to people to enforce it. You know, like that's the hardest thing. We were chatting about it even before coming over here. You know, like the IOC, like banning Russia. <laughs> but there's so much money to be made that you know, it's, find a way to let them let them in. It's so hard to do that because it's all it's all money. That's all it is. I don't know if you feel that way with powerlifting or if it's you know not necessarily. We don't have on, money yet. <laughs> on, like on such a big stage, but you know you're hoping to crack into the Olympics. Yeah, we've been. I mean, the I, IPF's been talking like with the IOC for years and years and years, um, and I haven't heard any recent updates. But last year in Salo, uh, the IOC was there watching the World Championships, mm-hmm. um, and then they interviewed one of the like directors of the ILC like one of the directors of new sports or something mm-hmm. and I mean he had nothing but good things to say but I'm sure he wouldn't say bad things at the world championships right. we're going to get rid of wrestling which is one of the first Olympic sports but we're going to keep table tennis and no offense to table tennis players or archery players or badminton players but yep, we're going to get rid of like one of the original sports yeah I mean, Same thing with like softball and baseball. Powerlifting seems like a natural fit too. It's like yeah, if you have Olympic weightlifting, for sure. Yeah, it'd throw the next. Just set it up, and run it right out of the same thing. I would think. Yeah, so a little bit more equipment. Yeah. Well, literally, all you have to do is like get rid of the bumpers, get the calibrated plates, and then bring on the combo rack. You're good to go. Yeah, that could be a great addition. And you're already doing a lot of the. Other logistical things that yeah. I would think would be a concern yeah, that for IOC was, with you know drug testing policies and that was the big change um, from the time I went to Worlds in 2012 to last year. Everything's so different. Like everything's so much more regimented. Mm-hmm. Like there are people. Uh, they're called technical secretaries who like stand in front of the doorway. You can't be in the tunnel until you're up to lift because people can't see you it looks weird like if you're just back there peeking out um, they did a lot of things for like the lifters so having lifter representation at like national governing body meetings and stuff like that um, just trying to be as close to like the Olympic sports right. as it can be and it's come a long way but I still probably think we have some ways to go yeah it sounds like they're making a lot of the right strides to Take something and make it more legitimate. Yeah, I think it's still like at least two games or three games away from happening, unfortunately. Well, 12 years, I'll be 34. There you go. At my peak. 
Is there a peak for powerlifting? Just as you kind of mentioned that. Does it buy it all the time? Yeah. Dave Ricks just squatted 310 kilos at 57 years old. Oh, he's. Yeah. I think 205 body weight. So, no, not really. <laughs> just kind of depends. There doesn't have to be. Yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> Crazy. It's weird how that, that is different across different sports, though. So. Oh, yeah. yeah like absolutely. Cross country runners, stuff like that. They're already speaking at 17, 18 years old, some of yeah, them. And then they just, too, yeah. Especially some of yeah. Oh, yeah. There are other sports besides powerlifting? Yeah, not even a thing sport. called ESPN. You should check it out sometime. <laughs> what? You better before you start your dance career. Yeah. <laughs> you could just be out in Vegas for the NSCA next year while you've got I'm your interpretive dance career. Very scary. We're going to have to make a trip to one of these conferences. One of these next year in Vegas. Ones. Be a good one to hit. And a bad one to hit. I, yeah, I, was gonna say, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> don't hang out with him. <laughs> I'm going to... I'm gonna feel. But Vegas can be extremely cheap. You just gotta know how to work through it. In terms of your. I don't think I'll be okay to work through anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you think you're gonna do be it an cheap. Yeah, you can mind. listen to your. Uh, <laughs> you can listen to me when I when I call tonight. <laughs> I wish you would have given me a warning. <laughs> no way, not after what you said. I hung you off the drive. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he's like leaving. And uh, he's like, I'm going to go back to the hotel. I'm like, oh, you pussy. <laughs> and he's just like, okay. <laughs> and then... I knew what he was getting in there. I didn't. <laughs> I still think it's funny your wife yelled at you. <laughs> Does he know what he's getting into? <laughs> That's when I knew. To get broadsided. That's when I knew that I messed up. <laughs> she thought it was pretty funny. I didn't. <laughs> I think I need to hear this story off camera. I don't know if I've caught yep. this whole one. <laughs> it wasn't good. I'm barely here. I'm barely here. <laughs> but you made it. It's good. I guess. Probably like lost half my intelligence, and I don't have much of that to give. So. <laughs> So, will there be blood testing ever, do you think, for Yes. For testing? I think some countries are going to it. It's going to it's gonna have so to. It's much more expensive, though. Oh, that'll be the thing that'll hinder it. If you can make a cost effect. Yes. I feel like the way blood works going in general, it's going to eventually get there. It's just a matter of when, you know, with how quickly. I feel like in blood, I don't... I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like I've heard this, that, like, detection times are so much longer, too. That doesn't surprise me. So you can detect things that were taken so much yeah. longer in the past. Yeah. I mean. That's why, like, uh, uh, all those Olympic champions that just failed, because I think it was in 08 or something, or 2010, they came up with, like, a much better way to detect denazolol. Mm. And, like, so people are like... Somebody, we had somebody fail for that a long time ago. Why, why are they all getting caught now? It's like yeah. politics. It's like no, we dramatically increased our efficiency at right. detecting stenazolol now. Oh, it's almost impossible to keep up with it. I know that's everybody's yeah. biggest concern about it. There's not enough. Well, it comes back to money. Not enough money in figuring out how to catch it versus 
creating something that's uncatchable. Yeah. When it comes down to it. Oh yeah, that's where the money is. So. Yeah. All these athletes making we'll millions of dollars. It wanna. takes to get there. Yep. That, they got that, smarter people on the wrong side of the. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it. You. Go where the money is. <laughs> One way to do it. Why do you think there's still cyber attacks? Because there's not a lot of money in preventing it. There's plenty <laughs> of money in making it happen. Money. <clears throat> Anything else new coming up? Things going on? People should be on the lookout for? Uh, CJ Research. Your new research project. Our new research project. Yeah, t- talk about how the, the story behind that. Development. How did it even start? Oh, we were tired from walking. Yeah, <laughs> we had walked to Bourbon, or no, we took a cab to Bourbon, um, got dinner, walked to a nice romantic Square. dinner yeah, for two. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have your beard at the time? Because that would have been a good look. Yeah, it did. For both yeah, of you. Yeah. Um, we walked to Jackson Square and then walked back to the hotel. It's probably like two miles of walking ish, but hot. And but yeah, good. like a hundred. Back degrees. to the Cooper thing. Like we could get an Uber. <laughs> I said that multiple times. <laughs> um, and we just we were talking back and forth, and then we finally get back to the hotel. We walk to where the poster presentations were. Nobody was in there, but there was a water cooler in there, and uh, AJ wanted to drink some water. I wanted to drink something else, but um, we pulled up chairs and we were just talking. And I'm like, you know, you have that gym aware. I'm like, I could probably get us like a couple world champion powerlifters to come in the lab and mess around with it. I'm like, I could probably get more than a couple. I could probably get a lot of world national champions and other powerlifters. And then we just ball went rolling and we decided we we're gonna do like a velocity. Profile. profile, yeah, just getting like normative data and stuff like Sweet. that against like. Would you do that over at Iron Physique? Just for I, like, we're gonna go everywhere. everywhere, yeah, where people are. That's all you're saying about this gym. The traveling band. I didn't know yeah. if you were gonna have them come in. If, if they're they, around, yeah, if they're around. That's what, and that's why I asked. Just I don't like yeah. for the SBC. I don't know if we have enough weight. <laughs> yeah, no. Get to a point where it's worth. Yeah, testing people. Yeah, no, bring it over and kind of ideally, like they're in their home. Yeah, that's what I want. They're in their home gym with their equipment. They're comfortable with. Yeah, and they're used interesting. Because one of the talks that I went to was on velocity-based training, and the guy just kept saying over and over, like, "We need more data. We need more data on these subpopulations that no one knows much about. No one so has that kind of." We should do that on all our D three athletes too. Good. Look a lot different then. No, oh, I know it would look a lot different. Yeah, I'm well aware. Right, that's what a subpopulation. Yeah, that's what he was saying. Things. Like you can't extrapolate what we know about a certain population to all others because mm-hmm. it's very different based on lifting experience and skill sets. And Sounds like we got to get the cloud. Yeah, probably for that for sure. So that's the new one. Got the IRB submitted. Hopefully, nice. get back soon. It's exciting. Yeah. Hopefully something else comes through as well. Yeah. Get some more toys to play with. Hopefully the Australian guy can come up and show you how to use it. Yeah. He was just fun to listen to. <laughs> I thought that was the that's, email I'm assuming. Then. Yeah. That's him. Like, he'll be in the area. Mm-hmm. He's been stateside for a while then because he came and talked with you. It's been a while since he came by. Two months, right? Wasn't that in May? Probably. Just hangs out. U.S. for the summer, so 
didn't get a California phone number. So they were supposed to be NCA. I didn't see Jimmy. Yeah. Did you see him? Because they said we'd meet up there, and I never saw him. Hmm. I didn't go much to the expo, except for the sleek shopping. I've only been to one national conference, and I'm so happy I went to the expo because I picked up some things that I just would have probably <coughs> never known about otherwise. I got a lot of free beer at it though, wasn't Amongst <laughs> amongst all the crap that you end up dealing with, oh uh, yeah, and getting, but there's some crazy gadgets there. How many distributors are there? Oh boy, I had to run 300 plus. Yeah, there. it was a big. Yeah, that's what NATA was, like 47 times. Nobody cares times about athletic training. Don't ever ask for help ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> yeah. Man, never mind. We're going to switch who's picking up the bill. <laughs> yeah, so reverse that order. Just going to delete all the footage. Yep. Just keep the part about you dancing in there. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to this episode of Clinically Pressed. Today we have a follow-up with Andy. I'm going to quit powerlifting and start interpretive <laughs> dance. Boom. Done. Thanks yeah. for watching, guys. And then the powerlifting world blew up. <laughs> Anything else? I don't think so. No? Alright. Stay tuned for the next up. time. Yeah. You in town, like, long term for another half a year, year? Uh, year. Half. Year? Well, you'll well, be done yeah, the spring. Because I have my internship in the spring. Okay. Unless I want to do it at UWL. Sure, we can figure out some way. I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Alright. All right. Thanks, boss. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, guys.